Hey, I'm Dale Hart Jr. and you're listening to Life Minute TV. NASCAR legend Dale Earnhardt Jr. knows a thing or two about keeping heated emotions in check behind the wheel. And he's parlayed those skills into his latest children's book to help parents teach their kids how to control their emotions when things go wrong. We caught up with this busy dad of two to hear all about what fuels his winning drive on and off the track. This is a Life Minute with Dale Earnhardt Jr. Dale Earnhardt Jr. in the house. Thank you so much for joining us on Life Minute. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. It's uh, not often I get a chance to come up to New York and visit, so it's been a fun morning. What have you done so far while you're in the city? A couple of, yesterday I met Eli Manning and got to do his podcast or his show, and um, that was a lot of fun. We went to a bookstore and walked around a little bit and had some laughs, but uh, this morning did some morning shows, Good Morning America and so forth, nice. the day show. So that's always exciting. Feel very fortunate. Awesome. So yeah, going to enjoy the the city just for a little bit and then go back home. So tell us about your new book. Yeah. So I wrote uh, I wrote a few books in my time, but here lately we've been writing children's books, and uh, the main character in our children's books is Buster. Buster's my dad's nickname when he was a little boy. And so I thought that'd be a great name for a lead character in a children's book. And I recently became a father, so that was the inspiration for being curious about writing a book. Could I write one? How fun would that be? What would that be like? And would my kids like it? And those, those sound like fun challenges to, to take on. And uh, so this is the second installment of Buster's series. As Buster Gets Back on Track is the name of the book. And it's a, you know, a book about managing emotions. One of the things, when I became a father, you know, that everything's new. You're learning everything as a parent. Um, and one of the things that sort of surprised me was watching my daughter, Isla, our first kid, um, manage her emotions, having a hard time controlling her emotions, right? And, and, and getting frustrated by lack inability to communicate to us mm -hmm. what she was feeling, simple things. But um, this is uh, kind of the driving storyline of the book is, the, is Buster managing his emotions. You know, he, he struggles on the racetrack and gets frustrated and then he finds ways to control that. And, um, and there's a, you know, that's kind of the main message of the book. But it's, it's, um, it's been interesting, I will say, that when I became a dad, one of the most common gifts that you'll get as a parent is books, children's books mm. for your kids, right? Mm. And so we compile this big collection of books, and it was, uh, I thought we were going to read them all, right? But the girls just gravitate toward the specific ones, and they will have you read the same book every day mm -hmm. for yes. weeks on end, right? <laughs> and I'm thinking, man, I wonder if I can create a book that they want me to read to them. And, um, and so that was, or, you know, and, I'm, and, and even if my girls don't connect to Buster, maybe someone will, maybe some child will become a fan of Buster. Mm -hmm. And so that's been an incredible experience to watch the feedback from the book. That's so great. Yeah. And I understand some of the pictures are a nod to your real life and obviously yes. some of the strategies. That's right. So um, one of the unexpected uh, enjoying things about writing this has been connecting it to my personal life and the, you can do anything when you're writing a children's book. You create the characters yourself. You work with an illustrator and we, we chose an incredible illustrator to help us with our book. We love the design, the colors, everything about Buster's character. 
And so the car that Buster is, is I, I basically have this car that my dad raced when he was starting his career in the 70s. And I said, I would love bus this car to, you know, Buster in this car to have some con con consistency here. And so you can take um, things in your life or relationships in your life and incorporate those into the book. And it's been really fun to go and say, hey, this character, go to your friends and say, this character is you. You inspired this particular person in the book. And you imagine that they're then going to grab the book and want to read it to see what their character does. <laughs> and so that's been really fun for me. And um, hopefully we can continue the series and Buster, you know, the only thing is, is I think um, I want to do a toddler book. They're little thick cardboard toddler books, um, way less words, but um, trying to connect to a two or two and a half year old child with a toddler book and uh, would be a lot of fun for me. So maybe that, that'd be a, a, a new chapter for Buster. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. How do you manage everything, you know, work and yeah. family? I have a lot of great people that help me know where I need to be at all times. And I trust a lot of people to help me decide what is important and what I need to focus on. We do, uh, uh, we do a lot of things. We're, we're racing cars, we're owning race teams, we're broadcasting in, in uh, the broadcast booth for NBC, writing children's books, and uh, the list goes on and on. I mean, there's so many things that we get involved in and, and have, our, have our hands in. And uh, you just sort of have to balance the time between what you really are passionate about and um, spending enough quality time with your family, right? Mm -hmm. And making sure you're giving them what they need and being with them and getting, you know, you know, making sure you're developing those relationships. Those girls are so young. Isla and Nicole are, are five and two years old and you want to be in their life every day, every minute, helping them, impacting them. And so that's a, that's a tough challenge. And I think the older you get, the more you strip away things that aren't passionate for you, right? And you want to work on things that you love mm -hmm. and you want to do things well, right? And sometimes you have to stop doing some things you like to do, right? In, in, in a professional sense, you have to, man, I really love doing this job, but where it sits in the, you know, where it sits in the priority list maybe is not, is not as important. And uh, you have to make some difficult decisions, but mm -hmm. hey, I'm glad to have opportunity. I'm thankful and um, we're, we're managing it well. So good, you sure are. Yeah. And you're such a doting father. Two beautiful little young girls, like you said. Uh, I stalked your Insta a little, so I saw <laughs> <laughs> everybody could just see. Um, what are some things you learned from your dad about parenting? Um, I, you know, I think that, I think that my dad influences me a little bit as a parent, um, and my mom does too, my sister. Um, my wife, me and my wife Amy, communicate quite a bit about um, parenting practices, right? And what what we we find parenting to be really challenging at times, and so we we talk about it. We, we she says, you know, I think we could have done this in this situation, or I would have preferred you do this in this situation. And so we're pretty upfront about it. You might get your feelings hurt a little bit, you know. But it's best to make sure when you know you're learning and you're improving as a parent, and the next time the same situation comes up, you handle it in a in a in a better way, in a way where your partner's proud and happy the way you know happy with how you're doing things. And so, 
we give each other a little feedback from time to time, share our opinions about things that we're learning in the, in the world about parenting and uh, things we like uh, that we see other parents do. And so I think um, mm -hmm. you just got to be malleable. You know, you got to be able to go with the flow and change and, and accept that you're not perfect and, and you know, always try to improve as a parent. Um, and not worry so much about being imperfect. That's probably my problem, is that I worry about being imperfect and, and missteps that I make in teaching moments with my kids. And try, you know, I definitely, when I, when I became a dad, I didn't come with this, you know, it didn't come with this guidebook or, or I didn't have this big toolbox full of information to just be this perfect dad right out of the gate. So I certainly, in very important teaching moments, may have not hit a grand slam, but, um, you know, try not to worry too much about not always, you know, fulfilling or living up to this sort of idea that you have as a, being a father and your kids are going to be fine, you know. I worried, you know, about how they would interact with kids in class mm -hmm. and going to school. I was going to kindergarten and I was worried about how that might affect her. And I, I'll be honest, the, her, her being in school, being in, being in a classroom with all these other kids has been probably the most, uh, <laughs> The most that's that's helped her progress so much in the past few few months that she started kindergarten. She's grown so much as a person. She's changed so much uh, her personality and everything, and in great ways that I would have never uh, expected. And I was worried to death when she mm -hmm. got out of the car and went into class for the first time. I was like, oh, <laughs> we're, what's going to happen to her there? You know, but she's it's turned her into this incredible young little five-year-old kid. Aww, yeah, that's so great. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's talk racing. Yeah, I'm, uh, well, I mentioned I'm a broadcaster for NBC, so I work in the booth for half of the season. Our season's split in half between two networks, so I work for NBC in the booth. I love doing that job. I'm at the racetrack. I'm going to watch the races anyways, so I feel very lucky to be able to, to have that opportunity to work in the broadcast booth. And um, I'm a huge fan of racing and a fan of what I'm watching, and I just kind of, I be that fan when I'm in the booth and uh, that's working really well for me so far. I do love to drive still and I haven't quit driving entirely and I ran a race just this past weekend at Bristol. Good one. Yeah, so I run <laughs> I run at least once a year, maybe twice a year and it's really out of, you know, I'm a little selfish to that I want to compete and want to get back out there and see if I can still do it. <laughs> but there's also that opportunity to remind myself of what a driver's dealing with inside the car and thinking about and the processes that a driver goes through mentally throughout the race so that when I go in the booth, it's fresh and I can pull from that information immediately, quickly. And I feel like the further I get removed from my racing career, the harder it is for me to be an analyst for our sport. So <laughs> staying in the car keeps me current. Keeps you fresh. I do think that. And so <clears throat> we had a really good race this past weekend. I'm reminded every time I compete how great the, and talented the other drivers are. <laughs> I think that's helpful too, to know that like they are great at what they do. Um, but I ended up uh, leading some laps. We led about 47 laps this past weekend. Uh, things were going great. We had a little electrical fire that, that, that happened in the car. It's a, you know, just kind of odd, rare thing. It was a brand new car and there's kind of a new car bug issue that we didn't foresee. And uh, luckily I was able to get out with no problems. I don't have any injuries or anything, but it was, uh, it was a, very touch and go moment there inside the car when the when I look down and the floorboard's on fire and I'm like oh well I guess we're gonna have to stop. Oh, God. <laughs> so 
Luckily, I get out. We get the car back to the shop. We figure out what the problem is. We understand how to, how to uh, not have that problem again. We'll clean this car up. We'll rebuild it, and I'll take it back and race it again in a month in Miami. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Talk about resilience. Yeah. How do you... Like, how do you maintain that, like, not freaking out? <laughs> you know, know what I mean? Like, how do well, you do Well, I that? do. You do. You do freak out. I, um, I was in the car, saw a little smoke. I'm driving around. I'm running in really well, running up in the top five. And I see a little smoke, and I'm smelling some things burning. And I'm thinking, you know, what could that be? I'm trying to, you know, trying to figure it out with what limited information I've got. And then I uh, felt that pinch of the fire burning my suit and burning me, right? It gets hot. It's like getting too close to the fire. Uh, getting too close to a campfire and I felt it warm and I looked down and I see a fire I'm like all right I, I don't need to be foolish here this could get really bad if I don't stop so I come down pit road and stop get out they they you know fire marshals handled the fire and I had a, a, some burns on the suit and but I was I was perfectly fine mm -hmm. but to be honest with you in that very quick process you know very quick sort of uh, process uh, I did freak out like I was, yeah, I was freaking out. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, hopefully this fire doesn't get worse. Let me get to the pits quickly. Let's get this, let's get this taken care of. I mean, I'm just assuming as soon as I pull to a stop, the fire is going to grow really quickly. Because mm. when the car's at speed, there's a lot of air moving around and that can temper the fire somewhat. And as soon as you stop a burning car, the fire spreads or grows really quickly. And so that was my only concern was like getting somewhere fast and getting out of the car as quickly as possible. Has becoming a dad and having a family changed racing at all for you? It has. Mm -hmm. It's it's a bit of a tug of war to be honest with you. Between you know not racing and and then wanting to race so that they know racing and my, you know my girls would if I never drove another race car again my girls would look at my career knowing that that was something that happened before before they were born and not be able to really understand what it was like to experience um, me as a race car driver and and i believe it feels selfish to want to go to the racetrack and race so that your kids can experience it right so they can experience you doing that job when you know i'm going to be 49 this year and i might as well you know i've done everything i wanted to do there's really nothing else for me personally that i w would love to achieve and I've been very fortunate and lucky, and uh, but there's part of me, I'm selfish and I enjoy it and I want to do it and I have fun doing it, but there's also part of me that wants my kids to experience it and connect that part of my life uh, to their reality, right? So I was, you know, they can say, I do remember going to the track and dad racing, and now I can go back and look at pictures of him and really kind of put myself in that, you know, that part of his life and maybe understand what that part of his life was like. And so I raced for about 20 years before they were born. And uh, I will probably race for, I don't know, less, maybe half a dozen more years at the most. Um, Good. One time a year for them to sort of be able to go to the track and see what that's like. Mm -hmm. yeah. Was that what it was like for you when you were little? I was in love with racing as a kid, you know, and I thought it was just so grand. I was just, could not, um, couldn't get enough of being at the racetrack and I wanted to explore every inch of the facility and I mean I had a group of friends other kids my age that we as soon as you got to the track you sought each other out and you just had this what are we gonna do let's go eat some junk food let's go 
let's go over and look, let's go watch practice from over here. Now let's move over here and watch, watch the cars. And we wanted to see every vantage point, you know, and, and uh, we walked all over pit road touching and uh, looking and, and, and checking all the race cars out. And um, it was a blast as a kid, you know, running up and running up into the haulers and eating all the candy. And um, <laughs> it, it was really, really a great time. And so, uh, yeah, I certainly want my girls to know what it's like to be at a racetrack and what what kind of fun can be had, what kind of enjoyment they can have from being there and watching the race. Cool. Um, what's the biggest tip you've learned, third generation legend, from your grandpa, your dad, yeah. from them about racing? I think the one thing that I probably learned from my grandfather and my dad it's not really a lesson that I learned. It's more about a, a mindset. They were very driven, motivated, determined. The look on their face, you know, when you see images of them, they just have this, they're so focused in their, in their gaze, right? And so that's how they were mentally at all times. When dad was at the racetrack, it was business. And he, he was almost, um, you know, kind of, walked around with this really sort of stern, determined sort of effort in everything. And there were some light moments for sure, but when it when he climbs into the car, he just sort of changed. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that that is motivating for me. When I'm behind the wheel of the car, um, I expect a certain performance. I expect a certain type of uh, effort out of myself. And so, yeah, their approach to racing and driving has been an inspiration for me for every, every lap I run. Mm -hmm. um, there's a little bit of pressure that you feel from the outside world, but most of the pressure that you feel is what you put on yourself. And the Earnhardt name is, is, to, is you know, you feel like a, a responsible for carrying on that legacy and keeping that name yeah. to a certain standard. Yeah. Yeah. You sure have. Thanks. Good for you. Yeah. Uh, I have goosebumps. What's your worst pet peeve from other uh, drivers when you're on the track? <laughs> That's a great question. That's a good question. I think that the worst pet peeve in racing is what they call mirror driving. So if a, you're trying to pass a car and he you know generally when I race I look out the windshield and where I'm going 95% of the time. Now we have mirrors in the car and one little side mirror right here to look down the side of the car. You check those from time to time to see where everybody's at and just understand whether you're pulling away from the car behind you or he's gaining on you. <laughs> and so um, when you run down uh, another car and you're catching another driver, uh, you can tell they start to look in the mirror more and they're paying less attention to where they're going and they're looking in the mirror to see where you are and they're trying to block you, right? And that is so frustrating because <laughs> you, you run them now and you're faster than they are. You want, you know, if it's early in the race, you certainly don't want them to make it a difficult, hard time to get around them, but they can. They can really make it frustrating. And when they look in the mirror, and you can see them sometimes looking in the mirror, you can see their eyes. And, but you can tell they're trying to block you. They're going everywhere you are, trying to go on the racetrack to keep you behind them. And, and that really can be uh, very frustrating. <laughs>
do you go fast when you're at home? What's your drive, home driving like? My home driving. So driving on the on the highway for me has changed over the years. I was always going fast when I was younger, uh, in a hurry everywhere I went, um, speeding down the roads, uh, and not being very responsible with my driving. But I think as you get older, you sort of realize that, you know, um, you don't have to run wide open everywhere you go, you know. You don't have to hustle and, and race to every stop. And I would always, I'd try to, ha I have to really work to manage my anxiety or my, um, my nerves, uh, especially when I'm going somewhere to do something, uh, any kind of work-related, you know, activity or, uh, and if I'm rushing to get there, I'm sort of working myself up for no reason, right? And I'm sort of building up this sort of an anxiety and, and hustle and and panics, you know, sort of uh, temperament inside me, right? And so I, I've i learned to just, like, take it easy. Just when you get there, you get there. Mm -hmm. Everything's going to be fine. Okay, if you're a little late, <laughs> you can apologize. No big deal. Um that's so interesting. And so, yeah, now I take my time driving. Amy, <laughs> Amy, my wife riding with me, she'll tell me. We'll, we'll get in the road. So driving a <laughs> car on the highway is like a great time to start, like, catch up on things. You never take the time when you're home to sit down and go, hey, what's going on with you? What are you doing? What's your plans tomorrow? What are, you, what are the kids doing this weekend? None of those things, right? And so when we get in the car and we're driving somewhere, I'm like, man, hey, let's talk about this, that, and the other. What's on your calendar? This is what's on my calendar. I've got to go do this. And, I'll, and I'm just sitting there talking away, and she's like, hey, can we speed it up a little bit? You're going like five miles an hour below the speed limit. The cars are going by us. Can we just get to where we're going? And I'm like, this is a great time to just cover, you know, catch up. Okay, no problem. So she's uh, always kind of reminding me that I need to drive a little faster. That's so funny. Yeah. I love it. What's something you want to do that you haven't done yet? I think for me is traveling. Uh, me and my wife are really anxious to go overseas. We went to um, France this past year, been to Germany a couple times, but I've never been to England where my mother's uh, surname is from. I'd love to go to England and sort of track down. I'm into genealogy and my family's history and trying to figure out, you know, where the G family, which is my mother's side, where they originated from and go there, right, and experience mm -hmm. that. Um, that would be great uh, to do at some point. I'd love to go to Italy. Of course, you know, there's all kinds of places in the world that would be amazing to see. So just trying to motivate, you know, push yourself to go do those things. Take action, right? Mm -hmm. We talk about it all the time, and um, we, we need to take action and go make it happen. And, of course, you have an awesome podcast. Yes, yeah. yeah. I, love, uh, I love podcasting. I love creating content. Obviously, co creating content has, like, become the thing mm. over the past decade. It's really a great way to engage with people and keep people up updated on what you're up to and what's important to you, what matters to you. And podcasting is a great way for you to, con you know, control the message, right, control your narrative. And right. so that's, uh, that's been fun. And it's also helped me in the booth. I've, I've never... You know, I was never a journalist. I did not know the first thing about trying to interview somebody <laughs> in, on a subject. And I've been, been in plenty of interviews myself, and I've ha you know, been around people that I admire that I think are great at it, uh, but wouldn't know the first thing about it. So, you know, podcasting has been a great trial by fire in, in learning to interview people, becoming a better speaker, um, articulating better, and uh, I think it's helped me in the booth a lot. And you're fantastic. Well, thank you. <laughs>
What other hobbies do you do? What do you like to do when you're not working? A million jobs. Yeah, um, <laughs> well, I I don't, you know, I don't only get to race in a real car once a year. So I do love to jump in a simulator and, and basically for, for, you know, for most people it's a video game, but they, uh, I race online uh, in iRacing, which is a lot of fun. iRacing to me is probably the most realistic way to understand what racing a car is like from the comforts of your own home. And so I do that quite a bit. I've worked with that company for about 20 years to try to develop their software and get it as realistic as possible. And that's a lot of fun. I love being in the outdoors, um, being with my girls, you know, on a 95 degree day, go down and, and let them play in the creek and sit a lawn chair down on the side of the creek and watch them just play, you know. And um, I love the beach. We have, a, we have a house on the coast of the Carolinas that we love to go spend some time sitting on the beach and watching the girls enjoy that is, is amazing. And I'll be honest with you, like my job as a broadcaster is like a hobby. It's not a real job to me. It doesn't, I mean, like I said, I'm going to watch the races anyways. I'm a fan. I'm, it's uh, most of the things that we do on a professional side are fun passion projects. Um, I own a race series called the Cars Tour, which is kind of the, gra they, it's a grassroots level racing. Um, I'm very passionate about that, and that's that takes up a lot of my free time. I've you know I've dedicated a lot of my personal time to projects like that, and so um, yeah, that's been that's been great. And I'm I'm pretty much maxed out. I really am. I mm -hmm. don't know that I can put anything else on the plate. <laughs> I don't want to take anything else away from my family. And so it's kind of where we are right now. Is I'm in a good place. What's your favorite music? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> I was talking to a friend of mine last night, a musician, about this, and um, I am a big pop punk fan. And so yeah. one of my favorite bands is A Dangerous Summer. It's a pop punk band from the last decade and a half. So I listen to a lot of that country music from any decade, 70s, 80s, 90s, and current. Um, yacht rock. Uh, from all rock really from late 70s to early 80s the stuff that you were listening to riding around in the back of your mom's car all of those songs that connect you to your childhood immediately take you back to uh, the house you lived in or, or wherever right wherever you were spending a lot of time I love nostalgia and and being sort of I love anything that like creates you know brings back a memory mm -hmm. um, I love that so that type of music rock music and pop popular you know rock music from the late 70s and early 80s is a is something that I'm always going to be good with favorite comfort food my favorite comfort food all right so anything that has buffalo sauce on it, <laughs> I love buffalo sauce and so I put I use it as a dressing on salad <laughs> I know it's crazy but uh I love, idea. yeah, I mean, you know, it's a change up, but I, I love buffalo sauce, so buffalo chicken wings, and um, I can put that on a lot of things and, and enjoy it, but um, pizza, my kids, you know, I, our girls are into pizza, and I love smoking barbecue, so um, brisket, ribs, I love ribs, <laughs> so um, have to be careful there, but I love the challenge of of smoking barbecue because honestly it's really like it's really similar to, to going and racing so you spend 
days preparing this car, <laughs> getting it ready, right? Uh -huh. Setting it up and tuning the car, and then you load it up and take it to the racetrack. And in, in barbecue, for if you're going to do a brisket, you spend almost a whole day like prepping the brisket before it ever goes on the smoker. Do you do that? Yes. Oh. And so that's kind of the fun part. It's like you got to, it's silly, but you have this toolbox with all the sauces and all the, you know, the injection and everything you're going to do to try to make this brisket great, right? And, um, and it might be great, just like a race car. It might run great, it might not. <laughs> you know, you, you spend about a day and a half getting this brisket ready and then it goes on the smoker and that's like a, you know, an eight hour process wow. and very, very casual and fun. You can have friends around and, uh, and then the end product, there's this moment where you're about to feed your family or your friends where they might not, you know, like what they, you, know, you don't know whether this brisket is good or not, right? <laughs> what kind of uh, critics are you gonna have when they start eating, eating the meal you've made? you spent two days on, right? So that's, uh, there's some uh, anticipation, much like in racing. Awesome. Yeah. How do you decompress? I, um, when I raced full time, I had so much adrenaline after the race that I wouldn't go to sleep till probably two or four o'clock in the morning. And so I would go home and um, maybe grab a cold drink and um, just catch up on the internet or social media and watch music videos or whatever, right? And um, <clears throat> eventually I'd kind of calm down and slow down and I'm, all right, I'm ready for bed, I'm tired, I'm ready to go to bed. But um, for me, my happy place is under an umbrella on the beach um, next to a cooler uh, with my little girls building a sandcastle or, or me burying them in the sand, whichever. Um, I'm great, you know, and some yacht rock playing on the radio. <laughs> That's it. perfect for me. Yeah. What's in the cooler? Um, My favorite cocktail. Yeah. I didn't ask that one. <laughs> well, I like, um, we actually have a cocktail me and my wife have been working on called High Rock Vodka. Yeah. Oh, and so that's. Something that he forgot to tell us. That's, that's been out for a couple of years. High Rock Vodka is, um, we think it's uh, the best out there. And we've had some, we've won a lot of awards. Uh, they've been taking High Rock across the country and competing competitions, and it's been doing it incredibly well. So the product itself is really, really good. Um, we're working with a group in Gatlinburg, Tennessee called Sugarland, so they know what they're doing. We don't buy it from someone else and bottle it and brand it. We make it ourselves in-house, and so it's, in, it's incredible. And so we've had a lot of fun with that, but um, either vodka uh, and orange juice. My dad's favorite drink was a screwdriver, so uh -huh. that was, you know, I can always go, go with that or a cold beer. Nice. Yeah. What's something no one knows about you? Well, I always go to this for some reason, but you're, you were asking me about music. Um, me and my sister um, used to go on these long road trips to visit my mother in Norfolk, Virginia. She lived up there for about 20 years, and so we, we'd drive the six hours to Norfolk, and the best part was Kelly's driving, and I'm just going through our CD case and playing all these songs, right? And um, I really became a huge Barry Manilow fan on one trip. <laughs> and so, you know, it's you and your sister, and um, somebody was asking me the other day, it's like, what songs in your library that would be probably one you might be embarrassed about? And I don't know that I'm embarrassed about it, but I think people would be surprised to how much Barry Manilow's in my catalog. <laughs> so what is Barry, your favorite? Barry was awesome, man. Um, yeah, I love Can't Barry. Smile Without You. I mean, there's, there, he, uh, uh, Copacabana, I think, is one of his songs. Uh -huh. I can't remember. I just loved his music. And again, it like reminds me of my childhood mm. and, and he was like a massive hit in the late 70s, early 80s, always on television. 
I love music. I listen to music all the time. So I would say some some of the, some of the things people would be surprised to know about me is is some of my musical taste. Awesome! Yeah. I love it. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Since this is Life Minute, any last life advice that you would give? You know, um, you gave us a lot of good ones already. I know. Well, <laughs> I would say life is short. You know, I think um, becoming a dad in my 40s, and now I'm about to be 49, uh, getting close to the big 5-0. I lost my mother in the past couple of years. That uh, it, yeah, I mean, it, there's been a lot of other things, of life events, right, that'll remind you of just how brief your time on this earth really is. And um, and so I think I wish I would have appreciated that earlier. You know, I'm glad I've got it figured out now, and I'm ev making the most out of every day and the time I'm with my family. Really appreciating that moment and that time and. You know, when the girls, when I'm on the couch and the girls come over there and want to give me a hug, I cherish every single hug, right? And uh, and so I think I wish I would have realized all of that much sooner and, uh, when I was much younger in life to, to sort of take advantage of every day, living every day to its fullest, and um, not being, not laying around lazy and putting everything off till tomorrow. Um, so that's been something that I think I'm getting better at. Mm, yeah. You're certainly not lazy. Mm. I don't think you're ever lazy. <laughs> yeah, but that was, makes you who you are, yeah. to have that drive. What drives you? What drives me? I think my girls, yeah. Mm. I think I'm motivated now to, uh, to, to go do and go be great by my children. Mm. You know, and my, you know, my wife is certainly somebody who I want to make proud and certainly somebody who I want to impress. I think that's a good challenge every day is trying to trying to make sure she's she's happy with who you are and what you're doing and the choices you're making. Um, so I, I, I lean into that. I lean into into making sure that, that she's happy with, with what I'm thinking and my, my approach to everything. But my girls really are easily the most motivating factor in my life. Mm, we're lucky to have you. Yeah. You're such a beautiful person. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. It's been great. I've enjoyed us. the conversation. Thank you for having me. Me too. Such an honor to have yeah. you. Thank, Thank you. you. Mm -hmm. To see more of this interview, visit our website, lifeminute.tv. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, Life Minute TV.